0: Are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I'm going to read from 1st to 2nd Corinthians, chapter 11. And I'm going to begin reading actually in the last two or three verses of chapter 10 and read into chapter 11 of Second Corinthians 10 and 11. Now notice in verse 16, Paul said to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand. But he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord, for not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. Amen. Would to God that you could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me, for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused to you one to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For he that cometh and preacheth another Jesus whom we have not preached, are, for if he... Cometh and preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached. Or if you receive another spirit, which you have not received, or another gospel, which you have not accepted, you might well bear with him. For I suppose I was not a whit behind the very chiefest apostles. But though I be rude in speech, yet not in knowledge, For we have been thoroughly made manifest among you in all things. Have I committed an offense in abasing myself that you might be exalted because I have preached to you the gospel of God freely? I robbed other churches, taking wages of them to do you service. And when I was present with you and wanted, I was chargeable to no man." For that which is lacking to me, the brethren which came from Macedonia supplied. And in all things I have kept myself from being burdensome unto you, so will I keep myself. As the truth of Christ is in me, no man shall stop me of this boasting in the regions of Achaia. Wherefore, because I love you not, God knoweth, But what I do, that I will do, that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion, that wherein they glory they may be found even as we. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose ends should be according to their works. Now I want to repeat three or four verses tonight as a text for the message I believe God has laid upon my heart. I want you to look in your Bibles at verse 3 and 4, and then look again at verse 13, 14, and 15. Paul said to these believers at Corinth, But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For he, if he that cometh preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit, which you've not received, or another gospel, which you've not accepted, you might well bear with him. There's a note of irony here. Paul, for one thing, is vindicating his apostleship. He's doing it as any servant of Christ ought to be able to do it. He's saying, I'm not commending myself. I'm letting God do it. He said on another occasion... You are a sign of my apostleship because you have been won to Christ through my ministry. But he's talking here about a fear. He said, I fear as Eve was tempted suddenly of Satan. You shall be tempted, he said, because he said people come presenting another Jesus, preaching another gospel, and representing another spirit, and you bear with them, even though you're wrong. So, so he is saying here, you ought to bear with one who preaches the true Jesus, and the true gospel, and a true spirit. You know, my friends, the devil has never changed in his method and plan of attack upon the people of God and the Christian church. Did you ever think how he entered the Garden of Eden? That serpent embodied by Satan came into that garden and said to Eve, Yea, hath God said. And he brought about through Eve and Adam the fall of the human race. And the whole human race is depraved and born in sin. Because Satan is such a subtle deceiver, he said to the woman, Hath God said you shall not eat of every tree of this garden? The woman said of the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. God has said we shall not eat of it, neither shall we touch it, lest we die. Satan tempted her, and the Bible says when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, a tree to be desired to make one wise, she partook of the fruit and did eat thereof and gave to her husband. You know, Satan tempted the woman through, first of all, a physical way. She saw that the tree, the fruit, was good for food. He tempted her in her physical body. He tempted her to want something. God it said, You must never have. He appealed to her aesthetic nature. He said, If you eat of this fruit, you will not die as God said. But you shall be as you shall be wise. You shall be as God's, knowing good and evil. He attempted her pride. He said, You'll be brilliant. You know more. You'll advance in your knowledge if you yield to this and do what I'm trying to get you to do. When Satan came to our Lord on the great record of the temptation of the perfect one, he sought to bring down Jesus in the same way. Forty days and nights without food. He said to Jesus, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones Be made bread. Jesus, in the normal sense of the word, could have wanted nothing more than he would want food for his body. Forty days without food and without sustenance. And Satan sought to tempt Jesus in his physical body. He sought to tempt him exactly as he tempted Eve. He said to to Jesus, Cast yourself from this high place. Put on a big religious demonstration. Why don't you know the Bible says that the angels will bear thee up in their hands lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. He sought to tempt Jesus in his aesthetic nature. His love of the beautiful and the aesthetic. He tempted Jesus or sought to in appealing to his pride. He said, bow down to me. I'll give you all these kingdoms of the world. And he sought to tempt Jesus in the same way that he tempted Eve in the garden. He's never changed in his diplomacy. Do you know what a great thing could happen to us tonight if we could see in this service how the subtle enemy of the souls of mankind seeks to tempt us in the same way he attempted Eve and sought to tempt Christ. When Paul wrote to these Corinthian believers, he said, I have a fear for you. I fear as Satan tempted Eve that you will be tempted in the same way. And here is the temptation. He mentioned there will come people to you preaching another Jesus and another gospel and another spirit. My friends, I believe that we are living in such a day as this tonight. Now, there is no another another Jesus. There's only one Jesus. That's an elementary statement. Every Christian in this room tonight would say to me, Preacher, I believe there is only one Jesus. Do you know this thing is a figment of people's imagination that there is another Jesus other than the biblical Jesus, other than the Jesus of the Bible and the Jesus of history. And thank God tonight, the Jesus of my own personal experience. There is not another Jesus. I want to say to you tonight, There's no more another Jesus than there's a tooth fairy. There's no more another Jesus than there is a Santa Claus. I want to say to you tonight, Satan has tempted people to so humanize Jesus and deify man as to take away from his glory and taint his spotless deity. But there is no other Jesus tonight. I remember years ago a great man of God, I used to listen to him preach, and all the air would be electrified with the power of God when he preached. He made a mistake to let his son go to the wrong kind of a school. One day his son came home, and one of his first statements to his godly father was, Dad, if Jesus." is the Son of God. The father listened and said to his son, Son, I want us to go together in the car, out into the country, and have a talk. They drove out into the country, and in the olden days the cars had running boards. He got out on the ground and knelt on his knees and lifted up his soul to God. And he said, now, Lord, I want you to take the if out of my son's theology and make him know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I want to say to you tonight, men and women in religion all over America have been tempted to produce in the figments of their imagination a Jesus other than the Jesus of the Bible. That's, right. That's going on in Jacksonville tonight. It's going on all over America. That's why we ought to do what Jesus did. When Satan came, Jesus said, It is risen! Amen. And have you not read? And thus saith the Lord. Amen. And there is a Bible, there is a Christ pictured in this Bible, who is real tonight, and he's the Son of God. On one of these Holy Land trips, Brother Bob mentioned a moment ago, I stood some years at the Sea of Galilee, some years ago, and there was a great group of people who'd gone with me to the Bible lands from my own church, stood there at that beautiful little body of water, where around which about three-fourths or maybe four-fifths of the ministry, Jesus' earthly ministry was wrought. He walked on that water. Up here he fed the 5,000. He stood there in the city of Capernaum and told the truth of God. He stood in the little synagogue and healed a man with a withered hand. He demonstrated he was God. And I stood there with a group of my people, and I heard a guide say to this little group of people, he said, now, I don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He said, I do believe, however, that he was really a sharp man, and that he was a great teacher, and that he had a brilliant mind. And I stepped up to him, for my people were there. And my people had heard me preach for many years that Jesus Christ was a virgin-born Son of God, was the eternal coexistent One with Almighty God who stood on the horizon of eternity and flung from His fingertips countless worlds into space. And I said to that man, You've made the most foolish, ridiculous statement that a man could ever make. He said, what do you mean? I said, you said he was good. If he's not God, he isn't good. He said, he that has seen me hath seen the Father. He said, I and my Father are one. If he were not God, he was an imposter. And there's no way he could be good unless he was God. And thank God tonight, I know there's not another Jesus. Amen. I met this Jesus in 1935. You know, I kind of feel, brother Bob, like that little that that maniac of Gadara. He said, "Lord, I want to follow you." Jesus said, "If you want to follow me, go home to thy family." And to thy friends, and tell them what great things the Lord hath done for you. The Lord has done something great for me. I was a nine-year-old, eight-year-old boy when my home was broken and my heart was broken. And when I was 19 years of age, I had no desire to live. I lived in the slew of despondency. And lived as deep in poverty as a human being has ever lived. And I had no desire for life. And it held no future or happiness for me. Until one day in a little country church, I met this one Jesus the Bible talks about. He stepped across the threshold of my quivering heart and made me a new creature in Christ Jesus. And I want to say to you tonight, I'd rather die than have some modernist take my Jesus from me. And my dear friends, if there's one thimble full of your energy and one copper of your means that is ever going to support an institution of any kind that taints the deity of Jesus Christ, God have mercy upon you. Amen. If if when one comes preaching another Jesus, Paul said, he is not of God, thank God there is no other Jesus. Amen. You know, I mentioned my childhood experience when my home was broken by a drunkard, gambling father. I was taken to be raised by my grandparents. They lived down here, uh, up here in North Alabama. I was born in New Orleans, Louisiana, and I was raised in Alabama, and I went to school in Tennessee, and I was married in Ohio, and I've been in Michigan ever since. And every day I say to the dear Lord, this is far enough, Lord. I don't want to go any further north. But I went to the home of my wonderful grandparents. My grandmother was a twin. I think I've told you about her before, probably. I never make a note of what I preach when I go anywhere, because I don't have the slightest idea I'd ever be invited to go back the second time, so I don't, I don't make notes wherever I preach. But uh, my grandmother was a twin. Her name was Ada, and her twin's name was Ida. They were what's called identical twins. But my my grandmother and her sister were so much alike that when she was a young girl going with my grandfather, and by the way, they'd been married 72 years when my grandfather went home to be with the Lord. And when she was just a young girl, Ada, my grandmother, said to Ida, her twin sister, she said, Ida... Let's play a trick on Will. He doesn't know which is which. He doesn't know which is Ada and which is Ida, and he didn't at that time. She said, you walk home with him from church. That's what courting was in the old days. You, you, you almost had to go to church to ever get any courting done. Because I tell you, the old country people didn't put up with any courting except walking back and forth to the, to the church house. She said, Ida, you walk home with him, and uh, let's see if we can fool him. Sure enough, Ida did. She found out things she never dreamed she'd find out, because she was not the right one. And they actually fooled my grandfather, and they told it on him many times. Do you know, my grandmother, I loved her so much. I often saw... The two of them together, they were nearly six feet tall. Their hair was as white as snow. They had those beautiful marble-like features. They were had a wonderful classical beauty, these two women. They wore their dresses down to the ground. If somebody would seen my grandmother's ankles, she'd have been repentant till yet. Oh, what women they were. I fell in love with my grandmother. I literally adored her. She, to me, was the very epitome of all that a wonderful woman ought to be. But I want to tell you tonight, there was never a time in my life I didn't know who my grandmother was and who her sister was. I studied her. I looked in her face. I listened to her words. I watched her in her daily life. I knew the characteristics of this great woman. And no one could have ever fooled me that Ida was my grandmother. And I want to tell you tonight, I know my Lord. I've looked in His face. I've studied His life. I know about him from the Bible, and there is no other Jesus. There is one Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, the Jesus of history, and the Jesus of my own personal experience. Paul said, if anybody comes preaching another Jesus, they are preaching falsely. There is but one Jesus. Paul also mentioned Another gospel. He said if people come preaching another gospel, and he spoke with a little bit of irony, he said you people might even tolerate him. But I come with apostolic authority, and some of you question it. But he mentioned the possibility of people coming with another gospel. He wrote to the Galatian church. He said, I marvel that you're so soon removed to another gospel, but he said, it is yet it is not another gospel. Then he said, if an angel from heaven preach any other gospel than the gospel I have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Paul said if he preach any other gospel, let him go to hell, and he will. And I believe there are more unsaved preachers in America tonight, and I'm not glad of it. My heart grieves about it. But I believe there are more unsaved preachers in America tonight than probably in any other calling or profession you could name. There are more unsaved preachers in Jacksonville, Florida, tonight than there are saved preachers. There are more unsaved preachers in Pontiac, Michigan. Then there are born-again preachers. Because preachers that preach another gospel, the Bible says, let them be accursed. Let them go to hell. I was saved in a little old Methodist church. It's a little old church at the crossroads. No community. No town. We live so far back in the country, the sun set between our house and the county seat every day. It was a tremendous experience to live where I lived and in the days of depression. And I started going to this little old church because had nowhere else to go. And I went one time and heard the gospel by an old circuit riding country Methodist preacher, and the Lord saved me. Now some of my Baptist friends don't think I'm saved because I saved in the Baptist in a Methodist church under the ministry of a Methodist preacher. But I got some inside information, glory to God, on that particular subject nobody else in the world has got. But I was saved in that little old Methodist church. And not long after I was saved, I knew what the Lord would have me to do. When I got saved, I got up and they said to me, now you tell the folks what the Lord's done for you. I told them I was saved for one thing and I said, the Lord wants me to be a preacher, and I'm, I'm called to preach. Right in the same altar, same time I got saved, I knew God called me to preach. I've never tried to explain it because I was afraid I might explain it away, but it actually happened. And not long after that, I went to school, a Bible college, where they believed the Bible and believed that Jesus is the Son of God. And believe that the gospel is the only message that can change the lives of people. Amen. When I went home from that school, just a little old country boy, the, the the leaders of the Methodist conference waited upon me. And they said, young man, we want to tell you if you ever going to get anywhere in the Methodist church. And I hadn't had any ambitions of getting anywhere in the Methodist Church in the first place. But they said, if you're ever going to get anywhere, you need to go to our schools and learn our slant. And I said to them as a 19-year-old boy, I'm not interested in any other slant except the one I heard when that old circuit-riding Methodist preacher preached the gospel. Of the grace of God. And it's good enough for me tonight. After 44 years. Of preaching the word of God. And the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm more convinced every day of my life. There is no message. This world needs. Except the message of the gospel. All the phones of preachers. Ring from hungry hearts all the time. Some years ago, one night about the midnight hour, a man called me and he said, Preacher, I know it's late, but would you come to my home? I said, I'd be glad to. He said, Now, mind you, I don't live in town. I live out of ways. I said, If you need me, I'll come. So I got dressed, and about one thirty, I turned on a little street at his direction about fifteen miles from my home, and he said, Now, I'll have a, a little light burning on the porch. and You look for that light, and I'll be looking for you. And about 1.30 in the morning, I turned down that street and found that little light in a little home. And I woke up to the door in the wee hours of the morning, and the man said to me, Preacher, I just thank God that you came. He said, There's trouble in this home, and if a home ever needed God, this one does. He said, Would you follow me? I followed him through a little living room. He took me into a a little bedroom. There was a little dimly lit light. There lay a woman tossing upon the bed, looked more like a wild animal than a human being. He said, This is my wife. He said, my wife is an alcoholic. My wife needs the Lord. He said, preacher, is there anything you can do? I got down by the side of the bed and took the Bible. And I began to read her the gospel story. And she said to me, preacher, wait a minute. She quieted down and she looked at me in those with those fearful eyes. And she said, preacher, wait a minute now. She said, I want to tell you before you give me this message that down in West Virginia, when I was 16 years old, I shot and killed a man. And before you give me any message, let me tell you you're talking to somebody who's murdered a human being. She said, I was acquitted, but I know tonight I'm a murderer. I killed somebody. Then she said, preacher, go ahead with your message. I thank God I could tell her a story that night that changed her life. Amen. And from that night to this one, a woman that believed the gospel has been a new creature in Christ Jesus. Amen. A few days ago I was preaching in a church up in Michigan. The young man came to me carrying his Bible. He carried it like he really loved it. And he said, Preacher, you don't know me, but I know you. And he said, I've waited a long time to tell you something. He said, one night years ago when I was a little top, you came to my home and I didn't even know when you were there. But you led my mother to Jesus Christ. And he said, Preacher... God has called me to preach and I'm studying for the ministry and I want to thank you for bringing the gospel to my mother. Oh, listen, that's the only gospel. That's the gospel this world needs tonight. That's the gospel of saving grace. That's the gospel that is the power of God under salvation to everyone that believes. That is the gospel that came from the heart of God, and there is no other gospel. Amen. Oh, tonight, if God could burden our hearts to get that message out like we never got it out before. I don't, I don't doubt but what there's a many a person here tonight. Got somebody in your family who's lost and without God and without hope. I know what it means, or I did know what it means. Thank God all my family are saved. But for years I preached, my father still was not saved. He broke my home and broke my heart and broke my mother's heart and broke my brother's heart. My father for years was lost and without Christ and without hope. I was preaching one night up in Akron, Ohio in a revival meeting, and when the invitation was given. Glory be to God, the hearts were melted and people began to come. A white-haired man came and knelt right down to my right hand. When he did, the lady playing the organ stopped playing and ran to his side. A couple over here got up and ran and knelt by him and another one here and another one there. There were three young couples. And the lady playing the organ and they knelt around him. And they began to weep and to shout and to praise God. And the mother, the wife, looked up at me who'd stopped playing the organ and ran to her husband's side. And she said, Preacher, Daddy has come to be saved. And that night God saved that gray-haired man. But I looked down on that white head that night and I said to myself, If Jesus were to come tonight, my father would be left behind. And my own father's not saved. And in heaven, there may be hundreds and hundreds of people that I might have won, but my father is lost. And God broke my heart that night Amen. to get my father to accept the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. I went to my room, and I don't mean to sound pious. I'm not a praying man like I ought to be. I don't fast as much as I ought to. I don't wait upon God as much as I'd like to and I ought to. But I went to my room that night, and I turned the key in the door, and I said to the Lord, I won't leave this room until You've given me the assurance that my Father is going to hear this gospel and believe this gospel and be saved. The next day stayed in that room until time to go to another service. And God gave me the assurance that night my father would be saved. Three days later in Houston, Texas, 1,500 miles from where I was, out in the backyard of my father's home, I put my arm on his shoulder. He bowed his head and he wept. And his heart literally broke with repentance. And he trusted Jesus Christ. He looked across and saw, a neighbor in his backyard and he said hey jim i've just been saved this is my boy all oh, my friends tonight no one in this world could take that gospel away from me Amen. a few days ago i sat by my father's side who's 90 years of age his body reeks with cancer he is as white as his handkerchief i sat by his chair and took my bible and read to him the same story that I read to him in his yard. I saw him lift a little bony emaciated hand and wave it toward heaven. And he said, Tom, don't ever worry about my soul, because I believe in Jesus, and I'm going to meet you in heaven. And I want to tell you tonight, I'd fight a modernist with every drop of my blood who sought to change the gospel that's brought my family to Jesus Christ. I kind of feel like old Billy Sunday. I heard him when I was a boy. My mother took me to hear him. I can see him now as just a boy running back and forth across that platform. They say one day Billy Sunday stood on his tiptoes and he said, Whoo! I wish I was God. I'd kill every modernist in America, he said. I don't know whether I'd do that or not. I want to tell you, my friends, the devil in America tonight is trying to turn millions of people to another Jesus and another gospel which is not of God. Thank God for the gospel of saving grace. Paul mentioned that Satan would tempt people to accept another spirit. That is, another in a different sort of a way. Not another just like Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is just like Him. When Jesus said, I go to the Father and I'll send you another comforter, it was not heteros, another of a different kind, but alos, another one, Just like me. And tonight, there are people who've sought to change literally the Holy Spirit of God who breathed this book for us. There is no other spirit. Oh, the devil has played a trick upon literally hundreds of thousands of people in America tonight. You know, I believe in emotion. And I believe our hearts ought to be moved when we think about how wonderful it is to be saved. But a many a person has turned to a wildfire. And a many a person tonight has turned away from the clear teaching about the Spirit of God. I don't have to speak in tongues to be saved or to be filled. Bless God, He gave me one tongue I've had a lot of trouble with that, and I wouldn't want another one in the first place. you got people today that are trying to even write another Bible other than the one the Spirit of God is already written. Read in my Bible, If any man add unto these words, I'll add unto him the plagues of this book. If any man take away from this book, I'll blot his name. Out of the book of life. Free will Baptist preacher said to me one time, I was preaching in their conference, said, See there, preacher, everybody that's saved not going to make it. I said, Why you say that? He said, If any anybody that claims to be saved ever takes anything out of the Bible, God said, I'll blot his name out of the book of life. I believe in eternal life as much as anybody in this room tonight. But that's what God said. God said, if you take away from this book, I'll take your name out of the book of life. And the Spirit of God has written one Bible and everything God has ever wanted to say to me, He wrote it down in a book and put the teacher in my heart so I could see what He has to say. Last summer I was over in Scotland with my wife and little daughter, visiting some of the historic places, I mean for a Christian. And I thought of a man named Reverend Scott that lived in Scotland years ago. And he preached the Bible, and he loved the Lord. One Sunday morning, they came to the little church, and it was filled, but Brother Scott was not there. The bell told the time for the service to begin. But Brother Scott wasn't there. After a while, somebody said to a man, Go up to the manse and see why Brother Scott has not come to the service. It's 15 minutes past time. And someone went to the manse. And he heard a conversation. And the conversation went something like this. Someone was saying, Lord, I'm not going down to that church in my own strength. And I'm not going to go and preach another time unless you go with me and you give me of the power of God. I won't go. I won't go unless you go with me. The man turned and went back to the little church and said to the people, Brother Scott was talking to somebody and he said he wouldn't come unless this one came with him. In a little while, Brother Scott came. And He came with his soul on fire. And he came with the glory of God upon his preaching. And he came with God's power energizing him. And he preached. And the whole church was turned wrong side out. Somebody said, whoever he was talking to surely must have come with him because he came in wonderful power. Oh, my friends tonight, we need in this crucial hour, as much as we've ever needed it in the history of the world, we need God's people to be broken and melted and filled For the Spirit of God to live the supernatural life, for a supernatural Jesus to send a supernatural message to the ends of the world. Thank God tonight for the true Jesus and the true gospel and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNVBC.com for Christian music you can trust.